0: Everyone who has come to faith in Jesus Christ as a Christian, who believes in Jesus Christ as we do as Christians here, we have recognized that our perspective and uh, our priorities and everything about our lives have changed because we've met with the risen Savior. And we see that very powerfully in the book of Acts as it started off uh, with 12 beleaguered disciples who were beaten and destroyed and defeated when Jesus was crucified. Uh, Days later, uh, having met with him, the resurrected Savior, they were completely changed. Uh, they, were transform- they were radically transformed so that the, the whole world was turned upside down by the foundational teaching and living and witness of the apostles who met with Jesus. And I just want to look at two things very br- briefly. I hope uh, uh, you might not think it's terribly brief. I hope it will be fairly brief. Two things with regard to this passage about the, the transformation in the church or the transformation in this community that met with the risen Saviour, and also by implication, that, that the changes that characterised and marked the individuals as well. Just look at two things believing and belonging. I'm just going to look at these two things briefly, and I guess in many ways, baptism speaks a lot about believing and belonging uh, and community. So last week, Corey looked at the first section of this uh, chapter, uh, Peter's sermon, the first sermon, as it were, following Jesus' resurrection and ascension. And what Corey mentioned, what we see in the passage is that the sermon was incredibly Christ-focused. It was absolutely central to the sermon. And that's interesting because Luke is that kind of uh, recorder. He is recording. As we see from the beginning of his gospel and also in in Acts, he's recording the life and work of Jesus, you know? That's what he's doing. He wants to have a a detailed, factual, witness-oriented account of the life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus and then how that affected uh, his followers and the starting of the church. And so, really, the, the sermon focused on two events, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, it focused on two kind of witnesses to that, as it were: the Old Testament prophets who spoke about Jesus who would come and who would do this as the Messiah, and the apostles who witnessed it, who saw it, who were there, eyewitnesses, and it focuses on the facts of that. It also focuses on two promises that Jesus brings, the resurrected Christ brings forgiveness. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, that is spiritual life, so that we can know and understand and serve uh, our Creator and our Lord. And two conditions. So there's two events, two witnesses, two promises, two conditions. Sorry, we can't help doing this as preachers, sort of order everything. Probably not entirely accurate. But two conditions to responding to uh, this risen Savior was repentance and faith. That is turning around, uh, changing our minds. That's what repentance means, just changing our minds, which in effect uh, also changes our hearts and our commitment and our trust to Jesus. And in, in so doing, we saw, and we just read the end of that little section, that many people were absolutely convicted by that. We're, we're all part of, many of them were part of the proceedings of the crucifixion of Jesus and, and what was happening. They were convicted by that. They so said, what can we do? And they said, turn to him put your trust in him, he'll forgive, and you will know uh, life and eternal life. And their world, these individual world, and the world of the time was absolutely turned upside down, was changed by this uh, remarkable event, unexpected event. So, we have the first sermon there, and that leads us on to the first community. Talk about believing and belonging. So, because uh, these people were transformed and changed, and were told that three thousand of them came to faith in Christ that day. That was therefore the start of the New Testament church, of which we are kind of uh, followers on from uh, here this this day and there was new belonging, so they had new identity. These believers that came to Christ had new identity, and the verses we read from verse forty two kind of highlights in very um, uh, seed form. It highlights the kind of characteristics that Christians in the church that is filled with the Spirit of God should uh, show and should live in their lives. And belonging was hugely uh, important and part of that. And belonging, I think belonging, is really important to all of us, isn't it? Uh, the fact there are so many here uh, for the baptism today, f- family and friends, speaks about belonging. It speaks about uh, wh- who we identify with, who's important to us, and what matters to us belonging is hugely important isn't it 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 reflects our blood uh, our dna our attitudes our culture our our uh, gifts our you know our our pleasures the things we enjoy you know if if i was to think about myself for a moment i'm a lament okay And there's a sense of belonging there uh, in the sense of my name the family i come from i'm a i'm a husband i'm a brother i'm a son. I'm an uh, uncle, I'm a nephew, I'm a grandson, and, and these things uh, are all uh, sub-cultures uh, of my my identity, but I could also say I, I identify as a Scotsman, so I'm Scottish, and I identify with that, and identify with the being Scottish and maybe having even Highland flavors because my parents were both from the Highlands, so there's that identity which is also part of me. And then I'm a minister, so I identify with all the other free church ministers there, there's not that many of us, quite a kind of small subset, maybe a hundred or so, and identify with them so that when, as we did recently, very tragically lost one of our brothers, that, that cuts to the core. Because I identify with them as my colleagues and as my friends. And within the city, maybe here, I identify with other ministers from other churches and other denominations. And of course, I'm a hip supporter. So I identify with that tribe, you know, fast-flowing, cup-winning, <laughs> football-loving sport. That, that's who I identify with in that level. And so we all of these. We are all defined by our different identities and by the subgroups that fall into them. But what we see here and what I know in my life and what you know in your life as Christians and what is being highlighted here was that The fundamental primary belonging for the Christian is Christ and the church, the local church, the covenant uh, community of believers. And uh, that is the natural consequence for for all of those here who, the 3,000 that came to Christ, were told that they were committed to him and committed to one another. They, They identified with that Christian community, the church, because that was Important to them, and for us, we recognise that. Therefore, Christ uh, and the Church is not just a subculture. It's not one among many. It's not that um, you know a, a Scotsman and, and blah blah blah. And I also go to church, and, and that's just part of me. It's not just a, a subculture, one among many. It's preeminent. It infiltrates and it, it lords over every other identity that I have. That my primary identity and yours is a Christian and. The church here, as the early church was preeminently Christ's. Because Christ is our identity throughout eternity, not just in, let's say, Christ is Lord, He's our Creator and our King. And so, in, there's a huge movement towards individual identity today, I think, and also uh, individual salvation. And individual salvation is very important in the Bible. But this is a, an important um, counterbalance to individuality because we recognize that community and church and the Lordship of Christ is not optional for us, that we are brought in by nature of our commitment to Christ and the work that he's done in us to community, to family, to belonging, to uh, being together. Now that is hugely important. And we'll reflect that a little bit in the baptism when we do the vows. The vows will not just be for the parents at one level and for the godparents, but they will also be because we take vows as a congregation. All of us, as a family, we take a vow to care for and love and to pray for and to look after Micah. Because we believe in community is really important. And the The community of God's people is a primary uh, recognition for us. So just for a minute, as we do the second half here, I'm just going to look very briefly at uh, four of the characteristics of this early church community, which was spirit-filled and reflected Jesus Christ. Now, about a year ago, we highlighted four characteristics that we thought, thought were important, significant for us as a church. The 4Gs, we called them. High tech. Okay? Uh, 4G church. Okay, that's lost in y'all. Okay. Uh, 4G. The ether. Uh, Glory, gospel, grace, and growth. Okay? The glory of God is important to us, worshipping and serving Him. The gospel itself, the truth of the gospel, hugely significant and important to us. Grace, the outworking of the gospel of love to one another and uh, in the communities in which we live. And growth is to see God blessing and and to see us growing in grace individually and growing as a church. So these are four things. And I'm quite glad that in looking at this early passage that there are four similar characteristics. I'm not going to use the same words. Well, I am in one of them. Uh, But the rest are slightly different words. But they're the same theme and the same truth. And that's important. So we see that this was a church, a community of people that having been transformed and changed to come to know and love Jesus Christ, uh, they were turned round completely and they became a worshiping church. They devoted themselves to the apostles preaching and to prayers uh, and awe came upon every soul and uh, then we're told that day by day they attended the temple worship, the breaking of bread in their homes, praising God and having faith with the people. So it's clear from that very small montage that they were a worshiping people. So, from people that didn't worship before, they became worshipers. Well, no, sorry, that's wrong. They were worshipers, but they weren't worshiping the living God. And we're all worshipers. We all worship something. We all have something that's more important, even, well, no, maybe we don't have something more important than ourselves. But we all either have ourselves or something that we put first. That's really what worship is. And this became a worshiping church. And we're looking at worship, in our evening service, St. Columbus, just now. But this worshiping uh, reality is part of our coming together to worship for encouragement and for recognition of who our Lord and who our God is. And we see that this worship was joyful and reverent. So they were all inspired by the nature and the character of God, but it was also joyful. Now, we've got a real problem with that. We've got a problem with being reverent and joyful. Somehow we think if, if we're going to be reverent in our worship, we need to look glum. We need to look serious and solemn. And that makes our worship much more acceptable to God because it's solemn and serious. But that wasn't a, 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 that wasn't a dichotomy for the New Testament church. It was both um, reverent, solemn at that level, if you want to use that word, and joyful, it was celebratory and also awe-inspiring. And that's a brilliant balance for worship in our lives as individuals and our lives together. They engaged in the sacraments at this early stage. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, the breaking of bread. It was structured. They gathered on the the first day of the week. They met in the temple. Uh, It was also spontaneous. They gathered together in their homes. So it was both formal and informal. It was Uh, structured like we do on a Sunday morning, but also uh, they met in homes, which I know we do as well on a Wednesday evening, but I know you do informally and and spontaneously as well. They met for prayer and for praise. They recognized their need of God and they prayed to him as a people in their lives. And that was all hugely significant. Worshipping church, the first thing I want to say. Second thing, I'm not going to spend long on these, was that they were a learning church. And they, these all intertwine. They're not, they don't stand on their own really individually. They're, they're all mixed in together. And, and we're looking for these characteristics both in our Christian lives as individuals and our church life as St. Columbus. Worshipping church. They were a learning church. Verse 42, again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers. So they were a learning church. We are learning, you know. We don't come to faith in Christ and then abandon all hope of learning and uh, put our brains uh, in a closed casket. Though many would like to think that that's what Christians do—they're Neanderthal and, and, uh, you know, are unscientific and have left everything uh, somewhere down the line in a gutter. But rather, we know and we recognise that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. And uh, the the Bible is the revelation of God and his character. And as those who have become uh, rescued by him and who call themselves Christians, that is, they were followers of Christ, then we want to know more about him. So it's impossible, isn't it, for us to love somebody that we don't know. It's crazy for us to say, yeah, well, God's really significant and important in my life, but actually I don't want to learn any more about him. I think I know plenty and Uh, What I don't know, I'll just make up and that'll suit me. Because God is there to be known. And the Christian life isn't for us, and it should never be for us, anti-intellectual. It shouldn't be that we retire our brains when we become Christians. We should stand alongside some of the greatest intellects of the, the world who have given their faith and life to Jesus Christ and support them as they defend the faith. So they were a learning church, and we should be a learning church. That's why we preach. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we uh, encourage one another in our Christian faith. And this learning church encouraged one another as they devoted themselves to the apostolic teaching. You know what it's like, don't you? If you're with a crowd of people, you know how difficult it is to learn something on your own? Well, it is for me. Really difficult. The hardest year of my life uh, was in 1980 when I had to learn Greek for a summer on my own before I entered the free church college it was the single most depressing uh, battle of my life learning that language on my own it's so much better when you can learn with other people around you you know what it's like in the workplace if you've got a motivated Uh, work team who want to grow and learn and do things better or at school or in college or wherever it might be if you've got people who are alongside you who are stimulating you and encouraging you to learn then that makes learning a a great deal easier uh, because there's and the opposite is true as well isn't it if you're in with a bunch of people who are not interested whatsoever that kind of rubs off and you tend to be uh, uh, to struggle because of that and here god puts these people together and uh, he says you know, devote yourselves together the fellowship of learning and we love to see that with the kids we love to put them in the kids church so they learn together and they become friends together and they run about here together we love seeing that we love seeing them having friends and developing friends together and this being part of their home as they learn so worshiping, learning quickly, loving church. Verse 44 says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their positions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. Unbelievable. Grace completely transformed them and they, they were not so concerned with their own comforts, but they saw the needs of others and they became a hugely generous people grace made them a really powerfully generous people and they shared they were a a community who shared together Uh, some of them sold their houses others didn't because they still met in houses but uh, they just were generous and saw great need and responded to that need a friend in need very often we think today a friend in need is a pain in the neck but that wasn't the attitude they had they they recognized that their friendship and their need and their dependence on one another was huge and therefore they served and they gave to one another C.S. Lewis says an interesting thing which was very controversial and it may still be very controversial he said don't waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor act as if you did now what he's saying is he's not saying be hypocritical Uh, what he's saying there is Luke, just obey. Loving is an act of the will. It's not necessarily a feeling of warm and fuzziness towards your neighbor who might be a pain, who might be in great need, who might um, take you out of your comfort zone or who might demand of you. But he's saying just, just love them and serve them. And usually what we find in that is that desire follows. As we pray for, as we obey, as we serve God, and as we do what we do, and God honors that, and uh, that's hugely significant in, in the whole community of church because it's rad, isn't it radically different from most of the subcultures that we that I mentioned earlier that we cling to ourselves, which are based on our blood, or our likes, or our attractions, or the benefits we get from them. That's the that's most of the subgroups we have. But here, the the community of believers is based on Christ. And what he has done for us. And it it involves, listen for this, gospel altruism. It involves us putting other people first and serving them simply because. Simply because. We don't have any particular reason other than how Christ has been altruistic towards us. And we fellowship in our diversity and in our mixture and in our... (laughs) Are <laughs> unnatural groups as it were and we come together in christ's name we open our homes and we open our hearts because of need i think that can be a powerful apologetic for the gospel today i read this week about uh, a red cross survey that said a third of i don't know how they worked this out by the way a third of british adults would say would claim that they have no one to turn to in a crisis a third of british adults would say they have no one to turn to in a crisis. Loneliness in our connected society is a huge curse, is a huge problem. And the Christian community shouldn't be insular, only looking after itself and having a strong internal community. It should reflect an outgoing and loving acceptance of others and be a great apologetic for the gospel that brings us into community, that gives us belonging, looking today at belief and belonging. Well, this is about... Now we fail and we fall miserably short so often. and I stand here and ask for all of your forgiveness for the times we've all failed one another in that. But we seek by God's grace and in the power of the Spirit to be a loving church. And lastly, and very briefly, a growing church as well. Uh, We're told at the end, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see, they weren't insular. They were looking out, and they had lots of interest and contacts with people who weren't believers and who didn't accept the gospel, but who saw the transformation and who saw the love and who saw the sincerity of their lives, and it influenced others greatly so that people came in and belonged and, and were saved, became Christians. They were attractive as a people and outward looking. And God recognized that and it became a community that he was happy to transform hearts and lives by and save people and bring them into that. That's a huge challenge for us in St. Columbus this morning, uh, that people, we grow by people coming and coming to know Jesus Christ in our community. So it wasn't just growth by people moving into the area or by moving. Uh, it wasn't nominal growth, people just coming alongside for the sake of it. It wasn't um, simply the individuals were becoming Christians and then going off and doing their own thing and climbing Arthur's seat. But they were, they were being saved and they were being added to the number of the community. They b- believed and they belonged. And sometimes people need to to sense that belonging, and then they will believe as God works in and through them. So, the challenge for us this morning, and with this I finish, is that uh, Christ makes a huge, huge difference. He changes everything in our lives. Uh, We might have been brought up in a covenant home, we might have been brought up knowing the gospel. It might have been a very gentle move to faith, it might have been very dramatic. But either way, it's not the beginning that matters. It's how he continues to transform us as we praise and worship and hold him in joyful, reverent awe and allow ourselves to be devoted to learning more about him day to day and uh, week to week. And we, we long for that for our children. We take vows on that basis that we will teach them about Jesus and God uses that for his glory. And I hope that if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're just an interested uh, observer, you're maybe here for the baptism, you don't normally go to church, then I, I hope you will consider the truth of Jesus Christ and the claims of Jesus Christ, the Sermon of Peter, which talked about his death and resurrection and how important that is, and that you'd investigate that. Use your mind, use your intelligence, use your heart. Pray if you've never prayed before and ask God to open up uh, truth to you so that your heart will be changed and your mind, your intellect. Uh, your understanding will also be changed and I know when that's the case uh, it will be the greatest moment of your life to know and understand that belonging and that ultimate identity in rescue and reconnecting with your maker and Lord and saviour Amen let's bow our heads very briefly in prayer Lord God help us today we pray to consider your word and to remember uh, this great prototypical first christian community that is reflected in these early words uh, a a spirit-filled community uh, baptized in the spirit of god that we seek to be here both as individuals spirit-filled and also as a community help us to do that forgive us when we don't forgive us when we struggle Forgive us when we make it hard for others to be part of the community or when we, by our actions or our thoughts or our words, are, are careless or hurtful or break that community covenant and trust in one another or when we don't care about it when it's uh, insignificant to us. And may we be a devoted and committed and loving and learning and worshipping and growing community. And may you have all the praise and the glory. Amen.